my happy Father's Day to fathers and grandfathers and great-grandfathers. We're going to talk about that in just a little while. I was reminded as we were beginning and having the Lord's Supper and other things of, of uh, the fathers here, the children. I heard many of them uh, praising the Lord. <laughs> uh, and I want I just uh, what I was thinking of as you were taking your children out that were crying and making noise and things. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. That's wonderful that you have these children here. Never be embarrassed that they cause some, quote, disturbance. They're not disturbing anything. Um, I think it's a, a great thing that you're doing, being here, uh, physically handling these children. Uh, you know, sure, the crying out and everything can be a little distracting. You know, I, during the Lord's Supper, uh, juice was coming around and I looked down. My grandson had gum all over his fingers. I spent the, that part of the Lord's Supper getting rid of gum off fingers. And, uh, you know, that's okay. You know, I can still think of the Lord and take off gum at the same, the same time. So thank you for bringing your kids. Never be embarrassed about that. If, they, if you have to take them out, just take them out. And, and uh, we're thankful that you're here with these children. I hope you've had a good Father's Day. I, I began this morning. My daughter knocks on the door and uh, brings me breakfast. Isn't that cool? Angel brought me breakfast this morning for Father's Day. And uh, so that was made me feel good that that uh, that she still loves me after all these years. So <laughs> yesterday, Julie and I celebrated our 40th wedding anniversary. And so some of you younger guys may take a lesson from our from from this. Uh, the way we did this, we bought some potatoes, <laughs> some stuffing. Uh, things to stuff the potatoes, went over to Matthew and Colleen's house and baked potatoes and worked in the garden. And that's how we celebrated our 40th wedding anniversary. Don't get mad at me. A week from tomorrow, we are going down to an Airbnb and spending a day or two down near the shrine of Alabama. We're not going to we're around Jasper. So that's where we'll be just for a day or so in that area. Um, but it's, it's great. Um, I did write a poem to Julia. Uh, she doesn't know this. All right. I, I entitled it An Ode to 40 Years of Marriage. Seven stanzas. You get the, the symbolic there, seven perf- perfection. Seven standards of true love perfected. Shall I read it to her? <clears throat> now, I would bring her up here, except I would like to survive the day. Not that she would do any physical harm to me. It would be the other ladies for embarrassing their friend Julia would get on to me. So I'm going to read this poem to her. Get out your handkerchiefs. Get out your tissues. And, you know, tears may be flowing. So that would be okay. <clears throat> All right. An ode to 40 years of marriage. I love you little. I love you lots. My love for you would fill 10 pots. 14 kettles, two oil drums. Four large buckets and a huge stadium. I love you up. I love you down. My love for you goes through the town. Around the block, across the street. There's none like you. You're really neat. I can feel the jealousy. I love you many. I love you most. 
my love for you goes coast to coast. Overseas around the world, having one boy and two sweet girls. You know, it just doesn't get any better than this. I mean, it really doesn't get any better than this. (laughs) I love you most. I love you more. It begins each day when my feet hit the floor. All through the morning and into the night, I'll keep this up with all my might. I love you grand. I love you great. My love for you goes state to state. You've made me better, don't you know it? My only fault, I'm a terrible poet. (laughs) Just two more stanzas, okay? I love you big. I love you small. I love you large. I love you tall. I love you rich. I love you poor. I love you to my very core. I love you funny. I love you sad. I love you when I'm feeling bad. It's been 40 years. It's gone too fast. Let's do 40 more. We'll make it last. I see Sean taking notes over there. Okay. I do have a bonus stanza. (laughs) I mean, when the creative juices are flowing. I love you strong. I love you weak. I love you to my very peak. I love the jars with mismatched lids. A happy, full life with ten grandkids. Okay. Father's Day. How to be a, being a godly father. We, we want to talk about that today. We've been in the book of Revelation, and I do thank you all. Many of you have made comments on it. it I, I entered into Revelation with a little bit of trepidation uh, because it is a unique book. But I have the faith that the scripture says that we'll be blessed if we hear it and put it into practice. And so that's what we're going to be doing. But I wanted to take today... Father's Day, and, uh, and I, I often do not do this, uh, you know, take the, the particular day of the year and, and uh, say something about it, but, but I wanted to, to uh, today. Um, there was a man who was sick, and he went to the doctor, and the doctor said, listen, I have, a, I have some bad news for you. Unless you make some immediate changes in your life, I can only give you 30 days to live. And he said, well, he was devastated. He said, what, what do I need to do? He said, well, you need to get your wife to cook three nutritious meals each day. And for the next 30 days, she needs to help you reduce all the stress in your life. No honeydew list. Make sure the kids aren't stressing you. She needs to make a budget and she needs to keep in that budget. And, you know, you guys have financial pressure keeping the budget. And if you do these things, I can, you know, you, you'll probably you'll come out of this. But if you don't, you only have about 30 days to live. And he just said, well, can you please call my wife and let her know these things as, you know, I go home, as I go home? And he said, sure, he'd do that. And uh, he drives up into his and in, in, in home and his wife comes out to meet him, tears in her eyes. And she said, the doctor called. I'm so sorry you only have 30 days to live. <laughs> That's how we fathers are. It's like, uh, you know, we're not as sentimental as, you know, Mother's Day is all sweet and nice. And Father's Day is like, yeah, here's some uh, tie. Uh, obviously, I don't use them. And I know that's not totally true. You know, the, the nature of men is generally, this is very generally, less emotional, less sensitive. I'm reminded of the father, the brand new baby, first baby, brings them home, brings the baby home. 
And the wife walks by the room one day and she sees him standing over the crib, just staring down into the crib. And it just touches her. You know, she's, you know, here's dad, first, you know, her, her, his first son, his first child, staring down the crib. And so she walks over and she puts her arm around him and says, oh, honey, what are you thinking? And he, say, he looks down and he says, I'm just wondering how they can make a crib like this for fifty nine ninety five. And that's true, isn't it? We, you know, what are you thinking? Julie often asks me, what are you thinking? I'm th- and I go, I'm thinking, hmm. Yeah, that's, what, that's, what, that's what's going through my brain right now. And that's the way guys are. That's the way men are. But we live in a world that encourages weak fathers, uh, dumbed down fathers. You know, the TV and movies, are, they're just kind of dummies. Sadly, absentee fathers... And feminine fathers. I read an article recently that said, if men could be more like women, the world would be a better place. And it was a serious article. That's the gist of the whole thing. And I thought about that. Really, that's blasphemy against God, if you think about it. Because God made men and women different, and he made them to complement each other, not to aggravate each other, but to complement each other and to help each other and to... Learn how to love. That's one of the reasons for marriage. And men need to be men and women need to be women. And we don't need to mix that all up. And I want to talk about the type of fathers we need to be. We need to be godly fathers. And I want to start out by recognizing that, yes, we live in a broken world. And when we talk about being a godly father, I don't know of a father who sits here and thinks, man, I've made a mess of things. I, I wish I had certain things I could do over again. I wish I could, you know, certain things I said and treated my children certain ways. I wish I could redo those things. And I know that. I'm, I'm one of those. Uh, we fathers uh, often fail to one degree or another. Some of you are in broken families. I recognize that. And so I want you to take this lesson as a form of encouragement, not a discouragement. I want you to take your personal brokenness, even the family brokenness that you might have currently going on in your your home. And it's something, as I said, whether we all do to one degree or another, and then take that brokenness and allow the Lord to begin mending your family as best as can be. I'm personally thankful for a good father. Uh, I left home at 19. I was allowed to come home at times. And, but I didn't live in the same city uh, as my parents until about three years, three years ago, two years, three years ago. I don't know. The time has flown. They moved here. My dad and my, my mom over here, uh, he, they moved here. And I've been uh, blessed to have them close by and been able to drop by not as much as I want to. But I've been able to go by the home and visit them at times and just be with my mom and my dad. He's been a great example. And he exemplifies a lot of what this this lesson is about. And so I want you to know I'm blessed to have a a good dad. And if you're not blessed to have a good dad, you're blessed to have a good heavenly father who can teach you how to be a good dad. Because that's what the scripture does. I asked my sister, I asked my brothers and sisters to... Um, tell me some things, and, and I, I 
Number one, I lost my phone. It was if you tried to contact me, I lost my phone. So uh, all this information I wasn't able to put down yesterday. Uh, but I did want to mention just a couple of quick things that two of my sisters said. Uh, they, they, they talked a lot about how dad provided and how he worked hard. Uh, and this in, in my sister Sharon said, you know, she looks back on the hard winters in North Dakota when they, when he got up before in the dark and got out in that terrible cold. If you don't know what 10, 20 and 30 degrees below zero feels like, let me tell you, it is terrible cold. <laughs> no describing it. He'd work all day, drive back in the dark and the cold. And he did, you know, the, just the providing. And we're going to talk about providing in a minute. He said, she said, Sharon says, he didn't discipline me much. LOL. I had older sibling, siblings that helped out with that. And that was true. Let me find my sister Paula here. Uh, Paula, you, yeah, if you, she, part of, part of this is if you know Paula. <laughs> She said uh, she talks about memories, too, about being out with with dad and doing things, going to villages in Fiji, teaching people. Then he said he was also a provider by killing chickens. <laughs> we had chickens out there and that we fed a lot of people, not just our family. He, she says, but then he killed my pet chicken I raised that was struggling and then got healthy and I couldn't eat chicken for about 10 years after that. Uh-huh. <laughs> she got over it, so she's okay. But you know what the world needs today is fathers who are present, fathers who are protective, and fathers who are powerful. Let's look at this briefly. Present fathers. You know, most men work away from home. Most of you who are still employed, you work away from home. I know there are some people who work at home, but most people, they get up, they leave they're at a place of work for eight hours or more. Uh, they uh, travel. Part of that is travel time. And so you look at your life and you say, I just don't have that much time to spend with my children because most of the day I'm I'm gone. I'm, I'm not around them. Ephesians 5, verse 16, I think it's uh, 15 and 16 says this. And there's so many passages that can apply to being good parents. And this is mothers, fathers, everyone. But. But I'm applying it to fathers today. He says, be very careful then how you live, not as unwise, but wise. And he's trying to teach us how to be wise fathers here, wise people. And then he says, making the most of every opportunity because the days are evil. Interesting little phrase, making the most of every opportunity. It's a word that that some translations say is redeeming the time. And it literally means buying time, buying time. And it means we all live on borrowed time. We all have the same amount of time as time given to us by God. So be a wise person. Use that time in a wise way. And so the little time that we have with our children on a daily basis, the little time we have with our family, because they're going to get up and they're going to grow up and they're going to move away. Use that wisely. Make the most of it. And so as I was thinking about the application to children, I remember my dad taking me with him, taking me on errands, uh, going. I didn't back then. I just was with dad, you know, went to the store, went to different places. I remember very, very early when he would go on Bible studies with people. And I remember this in New Zealand distinctly. 
that uh, back in those days, he used the Jewel Miller film strips. And you can Google it if you don't know what the uh, film script projector is. But you kind of turn it backwards and it advances the slides. And it's uh, very vintage now. And, uh, and, you know, just like the turntables are coming back, these, these will come back one day, too. But anyway... Back then, he, the, the lesson was on a record, and, and every time it would ding, it would have a ding, then you turn the slide. Some of you know what I'm talking about. And at 7, 8, 9, 10, I sat there and turned the slide at every ding. And sometimes I kind of get tired and not realize what I was doing, and, and I'd get a poke from Dad saying, oh, it's time to turn, you know, turn the slide. Uh, when you did reporting uh, in, in 66, 67, when we came back and went to different churches, he let me advance the slides. On, you know, we didn't have PowerPoint. We had slide projectors and advancing the slides, taking me on, on things like that. Uh, another thing I remember, just, that was one of my favorite memories, is walking on the beach in New Zealand. He was going to preach at a congregation in Nelson, I believe, uh, the South Island of, uh, of uh, New Zealand. We lived in the North Island. And he took me with him. He took, I remember him taking Claudia with him on one of these trips. And we walked along the beach Saturday, uh, Sunday afternoon. And he was going to preach on Romans chapter 6. And as we walked along the beach, he had me memorize this with him. I remember this in the King James Version. I don't know how old I was, eight, nine years old, something like that. What shall we say then? Shall we continue in sin that grace may abound? God forbid. How shall we that are dead to sin live any longer therein? That's from nine years old. And I can't memorize it in any other translation except the King James because that's where I learned it. Walking along with him. Going to villages in Fiji and watching him teach. Coming to my ball games when I was in high school. I remember him being there. He couldn't make all the... Uh, uh, junior varsity games because they were early afternoon. But I remember him making a the one I remember him making getting there was the day I had broken my hand. I broke my hand in P.E. and thought it was just a sprain. And so I was out there doing fairly well in football. But, you know, have you ever tried to tackle someone with a broken hand? You can't. It's really hard. (laughs) And I would hit him hard. and Oh, the pain. And I'd fall down, you know. And I remember my mother saying later on, Dad says, well, he's really not that good, is he? (laughs) Oh, I thought he was better. Something like that. (laughs) But I was playing with a broken hand. That's why I wasn't good that day. You know, Dad had up to nine children at home at one time. And he was always a presence. He was always there, even when he wasn't there. And this is what we can be as fathers. We can be there even when we're not there. Joshua uh, chapter 1 verse 9 says this. Be strong and courageous. Do not be terrified. Do not be discouraged for the Lord your God will be with you wherever you go. And there was this constant presence of God there with them. And he said, you be strong. And there's a constant presence of a good dad that's with you always, even when he's not actually there with you. How do you do that? How can you be a presence? How can you, a father, be a presence in your children's life even when you're not there, when you're at work and when you're away? And I think the, the key here is being connected to them when you are with them, when you're physically with them, connect with them. We have so many distractions. Television, these the, the devices, you know, these, you know, I, I speak from experience. 
It's so easy to put my face in this <laughs> instead of putting, you know, being in contact with grandchildren, wife, children. We need to get out of these devices and connect with our children. With me, it was reading. I would, I would sit on the couch, sit in a chair, and, and read. You know, for those who don't know these books, they, the pages actually turn. You know, not swipe, you don't swipe pages, you turn pages. I would sit there and read, and Angel would get up. She distinctly, all the kids did, but I really remember Angel doing this. She'd want to tell me something, and I'd go, uh uh-huh, uh as I'm reading, you know. And she would get in my lap and hold my, whoop, hold my face with her hand and turn me and say, Daddy, look at me. <laughs> she wanted that connection. And we hear, yeah, I hear everything's being said, but I'm not connected. And so we need to connect with them when we're, when we're with them. Words of encouragement. What are we saying to our children when we're, when we're connected to them, when we're talking to them? Ephesians 4 verse 29 says this, Do not let any unwholesome talk come out of your mouths. But what only what is helpful for the building up of others according to their needs, that it may benefit those who listen. Apply that to your children. Be careful what you say. Don't let it be unwholesome that comes out of your mouth. Be careful that you're building up your children. You know, a lot of times we remember things that we did wrong. But sometimes we remember things, well, I did that right. I've told this story, but some of you were asleep when I told it, so, or not here. When Matthew was 15 years old, he crashed my computer. Hundreds of hours of documents lost. He came to me, you know, I mean, devastated, and like, Dad, I, I, I crashed the computer. I erased everything. <laughs> At that moment, I wanted to kill him. <laughs> but I thought to myself, who is worth more, the hundreds of hours of work that I put into this or this child? It took me several minutes to figure it out. <laughs> no, I mean, I thought, no, I need to just, okay, that happened, let it go. Because there's nothing you can do. You can scream and holler and jump up and down and whatever you want to do, it's gone. And I just said, okay, that's fine. And I had to walk away because I just need to, you know, calm down. But I did that right. I mean, I, I did the right thing. You know, instead of grabbing him and shaking him and, you know, throwing him on the floor or whatever. <laughs> I did the right thing. Well, he woke up at 2 o'clock in the morning with an idea and he recovered everything. I mean, as soon as I woke up the next morning, he was all smiles. Guess what? He got everything back. And I thought, if I had jumped his case and really given it to him, well, he might not have, you know, in the middle of the night remembered how to fix it. And I would have been punished forever. <laughs> but, he rem- but he remembered, and, and I thought, wow, you know, that, at least I did that right. You know, when your children hear your footsteps, is it a sound of joy to their ears? Your children need to hear you building them up. If they, if they, if they know you're a builder up instead of a tear down, the sound of your footstep coming home will bring them joy. We also need to be protective fathers. And this is one of the strongest drives in men. God has made us wanting to protect. He made us generally bigger than women, generally stronger. I know that's not totally true, but generally that's true. I mean, I'd rather fight a woman than a man, I think. (laughs) I don't know. Let me tell you that back. (laughs) 
But generally speaking, I'd rather arm wrestle <laughs> that way. Because we're physically strong, so this, this protection, and our fathers, we can, we can instill that uh, protection. And my sisters wrote about this, about they always felt protected by dad. Uh, we, we were coming, dad and I were coming back from uh, Benga, an island off 20 miles from where we lived, in a small craft. It wasn't a very large craft. It was one of the native um, the Fijian uh, boats. Uh, open boat. Uh, we got out there in the midst of a small craft warning. I remember w- waves that seemed to be as high as this building. I know they, they weren't, but waves up there. You couldn't see anything but a patch of sky above your head and waves around you. And, and coming over those waves and the people bailing water. And I was not afraid because my dad was there. He had his arm around me. I was fishing. <laughs> I had a line out fishing. I was 12, 11, 12 years old. But you feel protected even in the midst of danger. We fathers need to have that sense of protection. And this is in a world that, that encourages women, men to be more like women than men. And we need to be counterculture. I'm not talking about arrogant machoism, nothing like that. But godly men, God wants us to be godly men. He wants us to be protective fathers. What does that look like? I, I chose the scripture, 1 Corinthians chapter 16, where it says, Be on your guard, stand firm in the faith, be men of courage, be strong. A lot of men don't know how to be godly fathers because they didn't have an example. And yet we are blessed in so many ways today that we can learn how to be godly fathers. We have people who can teach us. We have books that teach us. We have podcasts that teach us. There's so much in the world today out there on the Internet that can teach us how to be, if you struggle with it, how to be a better father, how to be a godly father. He says here, be on guard. And this means be awake. Have your eyes open. Be aware. Don't be naive. Sometimes we can be naive. We live in an evil world and good godly men protect and oppose what is evil? Don't allow it to come into your home. And this is where we where I've told my children, you have a greater task than I did in raising your children because we didn't have Internet coming into our home. And Internet can be a source of good and it can be a source of great evil. Don't allow evil to come into your home via Internet. Be a protector. You know, one of the greatest way we men can protect our boys especially is to make sure pornography doesn't come into our homes via Internet or any other way. How you do that when they get away from home, I know that's, that's a, a task that's very difficult, but you need to do that. Internet blockers, uh, other ways, uh, checking your children's devices. That's protection. That's not, you know, say, oh, invasion of privacy. I don't read anything in the Bible that speaks about, you know, don't invade your children's privacy. I think it says be involved in your children. And I've told many people that when you give your children a phone, that is your phone, not their phone. You're paying it for it. It's your phone. And you can take it away from them and you can look at it anytime you want to. It's your phone. It's not your parent. It's not your child's phone. And when you get up and you grow up and you move away and you pay your own bills, then it's your phone. But up until then, it's my phone. And I, I told my kids one thing I would do is I'd tell them, 
you're not allowed to erase text. You're not allowed to erase anything. And I can look at it any time. And so if someone sends you something that you know, ooh, daddy shouldn't see that, you can come to me and say, someone sent me something that I shouldn't have been received. And you give it to him and you let daddy look at it and text back and say, do that again, young man, or what? This is, this is, this is Angel's dad. This is Judah's dad. Don't do that kind of. We need to be protectors. All right. We don't let don't let those things those kind of things slide. Stand firm, he says. Stand firm in the sense that when you're judged, you are approved. That's what that word means. When you stand, believe me, you are being judged by your kids. Have you ever noticed that? Your kids are judging you. And so when you stand firm, you stand firm in the faith. In other words, you have a you have an anchor here. It's not because I feel this way. It's not because I think, you know, I think it's best. It's because God's word is guiding me. That's how I stand firm in the faith. And there's certain things that will not happen in this home. I saw my dad studying scripture. He didn't read a lot of books. That I remember he might have, but I don't remember, but I do remember him reading and studying his Bible. Dad was a thinker. We never missed assemblies. We never missed Wednesday. We never missed Sunday. We never missed Sunday night. Let let me tell you the extreme that we never missed. And I know we missed one or two times, but generally speaking, we did not miss. And there was a purpose for coming to the assemblies. There was a purpose for going to church. And there was a lot of times it would have been easier to say, oh, let's stay home. But when we left in 1963 to New Zealand, we flew out of New Orleans, I think. And we flew all the way. We flew to Fiji and you had to change planes there. And it was hot and hard benches. And we flew into New Zealand over 24 hours of traveling. And we got there Sunday afternoon. Sunday afternoon. Close to the evening. And so Sunday night, guess what? Time for church. And one of the ladies said to my dad and mom, well, I could stay home and with the kids. They could, they could go to bed. And they're like, no, 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 we're, we're bringing them to church. And dad, dad now says, oh, I wish I would just let you stay home and go to sleep. Because when we got there, and I remember just being exhausted, we all laid down on the benches and fell asleep. <laughs> all the kids. I'm surprised my parents didn't do the same. But but they, you know, okay, maybe it would have been better for us to stay home that night. Okay, fine. But here's the here's the point. Dads and moms stood firm in the faith and they said, no, we we're committed to this body. We're going to be with the Christians. We're going to do what we can and we're going to bring you along with us. They stood firm. Be men of courage, it says. And specifically, this word is males. It's not talking about mankind here. A lot lot of times the word man will be mankind, humankind. But this word means men, physical men. Be men here. Be manly. Man up when it's time to do it. Take responsibility. That's what it means to be a protector. Be courageous. And it's not only physical courage, it's moral courage. Courage to be a father and not a friend sometimes to our kids. You can be friends with your kids when they grow up. That's, that's one of the joys of adult children is they are now friends. But early, it's time, there's a time that you can't be friends with your children. It's the courage to say no when it's appropriate. 
and the courage to say yes when it's appropriate. And that's hard to do sometimes. Ephesians chapter six, verse four says this. Fathers, do not exasperate your children. Instead, how do you not exasperate them? Bring them up in the training and instruction of the Lord. Show them the word of God. Bring them up in the way that the Bible tells us to do it. And when we do that, then we're not exasperating them. We're learning when to say no to certain things and we're learning when to say yes to certain things. And third, we need to be need to be powerful fathers. The greatest power on earth is not physical power, but love right after. And I, I was surprised that we had the same picture. It shows that we're in tune. Whoever John, I guess, put that picture up for Father's Day. But we need to be powerful fathers. First Corinthians 16, verse 14, after we've just looked at be strong and courageous and be men of courage. He says, and do everything in love. He sums it up. You know, we can we can be uh, say yes and no, but we can do it the wrong way. And so when we learn how to do it in love, we're going to learn how to do it in the right way. And this is a lifelong lesson. We'll never learn how to love properly because love describes God and we cannot be totally like God. And so it's a learning how to love. How am I going to show love? Not necessarily niceness, but how do I show true, godly, biblical love here? How do I take the whole of God's nature and apply it to this situation? It's knowing when to be gentle. It's knowing when to exercise discipline. It's knowing what kind of discipline to use. It's all the yeses that you say and all the noes and knowing when to use those yeses and noes. And that takes great wisdom. And that's a burden that we fathers have on our shoulders daily. It's greater than ourselves. So it takes us to depend on God's wisdom. And we gain God's wisdom through God's word and also through life experiences. You know, sometimes we make mistakes. Sometimes we just we make the wrong call. We say it in the wrong way. Matthew was sharing with me yesterday one thing about his granddad. He was a toddler staying with mom and dad, and he was disobeying. And my mother was sitting there, and there she used to knit a lot. Had all sorts of knitting needles. You know, the small ones, long ones, big ones, everything. And Matthew was just cutting out, wasn't obeying his grandmother. And so my dad pulled out one of the big, thick <laughs> needles and said, boy, you want me to use this on you? <laughs> he said his eyes got big. And he said, well, he, he, he didn't get it used on him because he obeyed after that. Just put the fear of granddad in his uh, life. And some says, oh, that was a terrible thing to do. Well, don't worry about it. He didn't scar him. He's okay. He didn't get whipped with it. But, you know, sometimes how do how do I do this? How do I discipline in the right way? What's the right way of doing it? Wisdom comes from making mistakes and making mistakes come from trying. And the world needs godly men who are trying and failing and repenting and trying again and taking those chances and just keep going. Because our, our kids forgive us for a whole lot when we're doing it out of out of the desire to do what's right. We were passing through going to Fiji, we passed through Hawaii. It's been a couple of days there. The kids were teenagers. And so I wanted to surprise them. I wanted something really good uh, for them. And uh, I surprised them, rented a uh, convertible. I uh, thought we'd drive around Hawaii in a convertible. You can get them for like $19 back then. Might get them cheaper today. Anyway, we had this convertible, and we got in there, and we're driving around, seeing different places. And if you've ever been in a convertible, the back seat isn't real big. 
you know, and so they had three teenagers back there. And here we are in the midst of Hawaii and driving around. And what are they doing? He's touching me. He's poking me. You know, that was aggravating. <laughs> poking. I, and I was like, kids, look, uh, look, here we are driving through. Hawaii. Your friends would just love to be here. And here we are driving through Hawaii. And we're going to see Magnum's house, you know, Magnum P.I. You know, we're, we're going to you know, drive along the coast. We're in a convertible. The weather's nice. We're seeing rainbows, all this. And you guys are poking each other. Stop it. Well, they wouldn't. And maybe this is when I did the wrong thing. And you do it, too. I was reaching back there and just whacking, you know, <laughs> driving down Hawaii, just just trying to hit whoever I could. <laughs> Poor Judith. She was the one that probably wasn't doing it. You know, and she's like, Daddy, you're hitting me. You know, it's probably Angel and Matthew. They're the ones that cut out more than Judith. And he said there, well, you know, I, I, at that point I had to stop and said, don't talk. Just let me calm down. <laughs> I almost killed us all, you know, smacking kids, teenagers in the back. But, you know, you can, you, you can laugh at those times later on. You know, you look at those and say, yeah, may, that wasn't the best. I mean, you know, really what I should have done is pull over the sign and say, kids, get out. And said, you're walking back to the hotel. <laughs> it's only about 10 miles away. But I didn't do the right thing. Hebrews chapter 12, verse 6. Do I have that yet? My son, do not make light of the Lord's discipline. Do not lose heart when he rebukes you. He does it in the right way. He doesn't make the mistake. Because the, Lord's dis- the Lord disciplines those he loves and he punishes everyone he accepts as a son. God disciplines. Don't be afraid to discipline. And don't be afraid of making the wrong call. Just do it in love. Do the best you can. If you make a mistake... You just apologize and you go on. Fathers, we need to be an example of love. Dobson said this. One of the greatest ways to show your love to your children is to love your wife. And that's true. Go a step further. When we show sacrificial love to others, that's an example to our children. When we love other people the way we should love them, it's a great example to our children, and it's a love toward our children. A lot of times we put our life on hold while we're raising children, so we can't do this, we can't do that, we can't. No, you can. You can, you can get up and you can do things and bring your kids with you. And when they see you sacrificing their time for someone else, not all the time, but when they see you do that, that's an example of love. They're learning how to love. One of the uh, life-changing things that my parents did, my dad did, was in 63, quit his job here in Huntsville, Alabama as an engineer and took seven years to do mission work. Just gave up his work. Went over. I'm not saying everyone needs to do that. You know you don't need to do that. But that's what he did. And, and, and was we, as I saw the discouragement, uh, the hard work, the joys that took place, the sacrifices being away from family and friends here in the States. They never tried to hide the pain from us children, but they never dumped on us either and just let us know of all the things they were going through. I heard the prayers. I watched them. I was encouraged to participate in the work as I served and reached out to other people. As I loved other people, I learned how to love other people too. And so that example, don't put your life on hold while you're raising your children, but take them with you. Let them see you reach out to other people. 
Children need to see their dads sacrificing for others. They need to take them along so they can experience it, too. You know, whatever your situation is, we're all in different situations, all different family lives from very young to the very oldest. And so you make this application. You look at these things and say, you know, how am I going to be this kind of father, a protective father, a powerful father, a present father? How can I do that in my life where I am right now? As I mentioned earlier, there's so much online right now that you can learn from so many uh, great podcasts, so many great um, uh, Internet videos that you can get on and learn how to be a better father. Let me read two passages from Psalms, and I have just the first verse of this on, on each one. And I think it really applies to what we're saying, and then we'll end. Psalms 112 begins with really praise the Lord, which means hallelujah, brag about God. And then he says, blessed is the man who fears the Lord. Last week we had a lesson on fearing God. And I talked about this parallelism that we can see. Well, what does that mean? It tells you right here. Blessed is the man who fears the Lord. And this is the parallel to that. Who finds great delights in his commands. As we read God's commands and find delight in his commands, that's we're fearing the Lord. That's how we fear the Lord. This is what this person looks like. His children will be mighty in the land. The generation of the upright will be blessed. Wealth and riches are in this house and his righteousness endures forever. Even in darkness, light dawns for the upright, for the gracious and compassionate and righteous man. Good will come to him who is generous and lends freely, who conducts his affairs with justice. Surely he will never be shaken. A righteous man will be remembered forever. He will have no fear of bad news. His heart is steadfast, trusting in the Lord. His heart is secure. He will have no fear. In the end, he will look in triumph on his foes. He has scattered abroad his gifts to the poor. His righteousness endures forever. His horn will be lifted up, will be lifted high in honor. And this the horn is a symbol of dignity. Over 128. Psalms and all these are wonderful psalms to read through. Again, he starts out this way. Blessed, blessed are all who fear the Lord. And then he the parallel is this who walk in his ways. When you walk in his ways, you're fearing the Lord. Blessed are all those who fear the Lord, who walk in his ways. You will eat the fruit of your labor. Blessings and prosperity will be yours. Your wife will be like a fruitful vine within your house. Your sons will be like olive shoots around your table. Thus is a man Blessed who fears the Lord. May the Lord bless you from Zion all the days of your life. May you see the prosperity of Jerusalem. May you live to see your children's children. Peace be upon Israel. There's so much we can say about being a godly father. Far more than what I've said today. A lot of it we just need to pray about as fathers and say, God, help me be the man I need to be. Help me to stand up and Be a a good courage when I make mistakes. Help me have the courage to say that was wrong and keep on going. Uh, I want to encourage you to be a good father. Uh, If you uh, um, need to uh, come to uh, forward to talk to the elders, they are here to receive you.